Hi, everybody. My name is Kara McCarran, and I'm the host of She's the Owner podcast. On this podcast, we're going to be featuring female founders who are at any part of their entrepreneurial journey. We will ask them the same 10 questions and see where the conversation takes us. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. It's Kara McCarran here with the She's the Owner podcast. And uh, this is episode nine, which is crazy because we just started, but they're flying by, which is awesome. Um, I have a really special person, everybody's special that comes on the show, but she's extra special. Um, her name is Sarah and she runs a company called Vertically Blonde. And her and I met really recently, actually, in the, uh, the UPW in Dallas this summer. And uh, just an instant connection. I like her energy was amazing. You know, all, the whole the whole event. It was awesome. And so we connected and I asked her to come on the show and here she is. Um, and I've, I've been really excited to talk to you officially in this capacity, but I've also been hyper aware that your, your journey and your story, which I want you to get into, definitely I get emotional about it because just seeing you, how you are around the whole thing um, is a level of humility and beauty that I don't see very often in, in somebody who's gone through what you've gone through. And you not even sure if you understand how much you've taught me already just as a woman, but you have just by being how you are. Um, so welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. That's quite the intro. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm so humbled every time I hear that I've touched someone's heart just because I'm fulfilling what I feel like is deep down inside of me, what I'm here to do um, is just that confirmation that I need so thank you because you know I think that it's it's hard you know to actually be honest with yourself and um and I feel like the more I am the more responses like that I get and so thank you because that's really what keeps me going so tell us a bit about um the journey like why what you know can talk about the accident and then um you know briefly and just to kind of get people to understand what vertically uh, blonde is and then maybe talk a bit about the event that you just had and then we'll just kind of take it from there absolutely you know I think I feel like I have to go even further back and so my background is in um you know I was a massage therapist and I was a spa director um and I actually did a stint in television in Palm Springs I hosted a television show um and I feel like it's so funny to go back in history and see how everything in your past lines you up for this moment and then the next moment and then the next moment. And I think that we sometimes forget to do that. And I, so I had all this background and then I was uh, there working at my spa, which would, was what I thought was like my absolute dream job. I was the spa director at a beautiful ski resort in Park City and I'd worked really, really hard to get there. And, um, in 2012, uh, I was running the spa then for about four years and I was dating a new guy, super in love. Um, and we'd been dating for about six months and we decided to go down to Southern Utah, um, to spend some time in this family cabin and then go on some four wheelers. And we were there with another couple as well. And the morning of, we got up really early and we took our four dogs. I had two dogs. He had two dogs. We took them all up. We went on this hike and I felt like I was on top of the world. It was gorgeous. There were these big, beautiful red rock formations and no other people for as far as the eye could see. You just felt like you were on top of the world, literally. And I turned to him and I said, Oh my God, my life is perfect. There is nothing about my life right now that I would change. And, and then I rattled it off. I'm like, I'm super in love. I've got my dream job. I make great money. I've got beautiful family and friends. I, my life is perfect. So a few hours later, we um, are back at the cabin and we're getting all kind of fitted up for to go on a four-wheeler ride. I am the only non-experienced rider. I'd only been on a four-wheeler maybe like four other times in my life. Um, and the other ones, one was a mechanic. And then my boyfriend, he's like grown up on dirt bikes. So we go out on the, these four wheelers. They give me the big one because it's the more sturdy one. It's like big beefy one. And on the back, we've got the big cooler. We'd taken a picnic. 
super easy ride. And we went out on these trails. We were out on like a fire road. And so it was um, like a fire access road. So it was really wide, really easy, paved kind of well. And we kind of were going up around this bend. And we couldn't quite see on the other side of the bend where the road was headed. So the guys go on up ahead and me and the other girls stay behind. And at one point we see the other guy, Jim, um, he's at the top of the hill now. And he's saying, come on up. It just comes up and around. You're easy. It's easy. Come on up. Come on up. And what we didn't know was that my boyfriend, Sean, was coming down the trail to let us know that it was okay. So we start going up. I'm in front, cruising right along. And I come around the bend and I see Sean coming at me head on. And I freeze. My instincts don't know what to do. They just say, hold on for dear life and get off the trail and get out of the way. And he was actually on a dirt bike. And so he just threw himself kind of to the side, kind of, it was like a a wall on the one side and kind of like out in a big field on the other. So he threw himself against the wall. Had I kept going straight, all would have been fine. But my instinct said, get out of the way. So I jerked the handlebars to get off the trail. My front wheels hit a ditch and I start flipping. And I am just tumbling. And I, whenever I close my eyes, I can still see and hear it, like, super clear. It is silent. I feel like I'm screaming, except I can just hear, like, this crunching of bone every time it lands on me. And it's just, like, thump, thump, thump. And I can feel, like, ground sky, ground sky as I just slip through the air. And finally, it kind of throws me against this fallen tree stump. Um, and the, the four-wheeler is, like out in the dust basically and at that moment all I can think of is my second grade teacher and she is telling us this story about a motorcycle accident and it's funny how quickly these things like go through your head so she's telling us about this motorcycle accident and she's saying that had they not moved him after the accident he would have been fine but they moved him and so that actually killed him so I'm like, okay, if I just stay still, like, I am going to be just fine. So I yell at him and I say, don't move me. Call Life Flight. How's my face? And because in my mind, I'm like mangled at this point. Right. And he just like runs full speed. There is sheer terror all over his face. He comes up to me and he's like, your face is beautiful. It's like, I just don't know about the rest of your body. And luckily I was wearing a helmet. Um, we still have the helmet. Um, it's got like this big old gash in the back of it. Um, it really did save my, my head and my brain and my face, everything. And, um, but we can tell that I've got no feeling right away, like below my, my waist, they're pinching my toes, nothing. And life flight takes about an hour and a half to get there. It is excruciating. So um, what was really painful was actually my clavicle and I'd landed kind of on my side. So I was holding myself steady for an hour and a half because that clavicle was like close to piercing through the skin. Like it was just snapped in half basically. So life like gets there and they, um, they're, they're like, okay, we got to get you on this board and it's going to hurt. And they just did like this three, two, one, and then rolled down the board. And it was just like, I'd been, like brutally murdered like it was so painful um and so they get me on a helicopter and they say that Sean can't come with me and so I'm like just terrified I'm like just don't leave me and um so they get me in the helicopter and uh they just start pumping the morphine right away and um you know they're telling me that they got to take me to Las Vegas because it's actually closer than Salt Lake Hospital and I'm from Salt Lake and so they're taking me further away from home closer to a hospital. And so I just keep telling them like, no, 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 I got to go home. And then at that point, I'm just like morphine takes over. And the next thing I do is wake up 10 hours later in the hospital in uh, Las Vegas. And by the time I'd woken up, I had a waiting room of my mom, my stepdad, my brother, my my grandpa, my aunt, my uh, obviously Sean's there three girlfriends from three different states. Like I have got the biggest, fullest waiting room and they're just like waiting for me to wake up. 
but the moment I finally come to, my room is empty. <laughs> like I've got that many people waiting for me and I wake up to an empty room right. and I'm intubated and I wake up and I'm like thrashing around, like thinking I can't breathe and I'm just like freaking out. And finally the nurse comes in and she just says, just breathe, like just breathe. And um, so at that point, it's just kind of, you know, visitors. And um, I never was given that talk, that fateful talk of you will never walk again. Um, which I'm glad for, because I know a lot of people have been given that talk and I feel like it takes away all hope. Right. Whereas I still feel like I've got hope in me. Right. Um, and so the, you know, of all the conversations that happened, the one that really stood out was my aunt Stacy and she comes in for a hug and I just whisper in her ear and I just said, Why? And she pulls away from me and she is very stern and in my face. And she just says, don't you ever ask why that question is going to eat you alive and you will get that answer when you're supposed to, not when you ask it. Wow. So from that moment on, I, you know, anytime I thought, okay, why me or why this happened? I just, I remember those words and they were so powerful and spoken to me with such conviction that it was like, I didn't question it. And thank God, because I feel, you know, here I am seven years later, um, you know, Sean and I ended up getting married. We got married on the anniversary date of the accident two years later. We tried everything in our power to make it a good day and pretend like it didn't happen. I think for the first four years, denial was, you know, always in the room, right? Like yeah. we were in such denial for four years. Um, and I went back to my job within seven months. So in back to being the boss, being needed. That was really important for me um, because you're in such a place of need, you know, need to like figure out how to go to the bathroom again and need to figure out how to like get dressed by yourself and just such mundane everyday things that we take for granted. I had to learn all over again, like rejoicing the day I finally figured out how to put on a boot was like, really? (laughs) Like, this is life. Like we, like, this is where we cheer now. This is crazy. So uh, fast forward a little bit, because um, I know that I can I can get really wrapped up on details of the whole story. But, um, you know, about, uh, let's see, it had been about five years, about four and a half years afterwards. And Sean, my husband, gets offered a job transfer to move to Maui. We're like, well, hell yeah. <laughs> We've been visiting up. Maui a couple times a year. Yeah. We've been visiting Hawaii a couple times a year because my body felt so good. Like the climate, I just, I always joke that I feel like I'm, my body's like the tin man. And when I'm in Hawaii, I have my oil can. And if I'm anywhere else, I'm like out of oil. Like I feel rusty. I feel achy. It just kills. I like so that analogy. So we've been visiting so I could, yeah, like it makes sense, right? So we've been visiting Hawaii to get my oil, get lubed up. And uh, while we were here on actually my best friend's wedding, uh, my husband got offered a job transfer. And I got cold feet twice. I like pulled out twice. I'm like, that means I got to quit my job. Like, who am I if I'm not a spa director? I had been holding on to that label so tightly because I felt like it gave me credibility. It felt it put me in a place of being needed. Like it did so much for me emotionally. And, and since, since UPW now, you know, that's probably just the significance thing. That beautiful and word. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Right. And I still crave the significance. Yeah. <laughs> like even after realizing it and you can like call yourself out on it. Doesn't, like, doesn't oh, yeah, matter. That's yeah. Exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm doing. So he finally talked me into it. I quit my job. We moved to Maui. He's like, you know, you can just be a stay at home mom. And, you know, that lasted for about three months. I am not the stay at home mom type. If you are, I have so much credit for you and respect but I can't do it. I just felt like there was this calling in me. And I felt like it really also had to do something with, um, with my mom. And I don't know how she'll feel me about me sharing this, but I think it's important that, um, you know, she kind of had these dreams of being a singer and I asked her, you know, why she didn't do it. And she said, well, you know, I got, got sidetracked having a daughter and, you know, and, and life just changes. And I think from that moment on, 
you know, I still don't even remember the real big details of that conversation, but I remember kind of making this decision on my head of, I don't want to be in a position to have to choose. Like, I want to be able to do it all. I yep. want to be a mom and I want to have a career. And, you know, that also may be a significant thing or, but whatever it is that, that has always driven me mm-hmm. um, to make sure that I could hold on to both. Yep. So, um, yeah. So once, once it kind of got to why I started dabbling and I was like, well, then I'll be a blogger. You know, everyone's a blogger these days. I can do that from home and be really easy. And, um, and so I had to come up with a name and I was trying to think of all these different words. And I thought, you know, our words have power. So whatever I'm going to use has to be of what I want to be. And I really want to be vertical. I want to be walking again. That was the whole basis of choosing this name, Vertical Blonde. And so I thought, okay, if I, if I just say it more long, long enough, I'll be vertical once, you know, once again. And of course, I'm known for my blonde hair. That was a given. The Vertical Blonde was born. Amazing. And I started writing these articles just about getting through life and getting through life as a mom with a disability and, and perspective. And I think that, you know, if I had to really kind of key on, on what it is I do is that I give people perspective. And it's kind of fascinating because I've found, been really observing this, that I have an even greater kind of impact or at least response from those without a disability than I do with a disability. So I say, if she can do it, I can do it. Like it right. puts problems into perspective. Yeah. So whatever I'm here for, that I'll take it, you know, and I'll run with it. And so, you know, it, it was interesting how it began as just like a catchy name to help me walk again. And it slowly became this like mindset of using life as a stepping stone, like using life as ways to get to our dreams. And um, I have done a lot of work um, in Codependence Anonymous. Um, I really strongly believe in it. I strongly believe in recovery groups and support groups. I think they're super important. And I love the line in the serenity prayer that you accept hardship as the pathway to peace. And I think that our hardship is our pathway. Like our hardships are the way. Our hardships are the way that we grow. We strengthen. We build up our resilience. We realize that, yes, we can. We find the courage. Like it, it ha- there has to be hardship for that peace to even happen. And so... I've really been embracing that. And it's funny that everything I've done for myself has led to kind of my growth as well as my profession. And so, for example, I finally decided, okay, no more like physical therapy. It's not about trying to walk again or trying to get dressed again. Like I feel independent enough, but now I just want to look in the bikini again. Mm. So I embarked on this really great health journey and um, I don't know if you've seen the before and after on my Instagram, I have. but it's pretty significant Dramatic. and it was just done in 12 weeks. And so just by me doing that for myself, as soon as I posted that first, the first time I had like 200 messages the next morning wow. from other women in wheelchairs saying, how do I do this? Right. And what they didn't realize was also what was happening behind the scenes, going to support groups, going to therapy finally embarking on a healing journey emotionally. And I think that when you do the, the healing of the emotion and the physical together, that's when it really blossoms, like your mind, your body, your heart, your soul, all of that really comes together. And so we put together this program, my trainer and I called Disability Icon. And so I think that it's really, it's about kind of becoming the new stereotype of what disability is. Where if we can be an icon and instead of when you search disability icon, you find the little blue man in the wheelchair for the handicapped stalls, you see people really embracing life despite a disability. So... You're quite that an extraordinary woman there, Miss Sarah. Holy, <laughs> I need a nap now. I'm like, oh I my God. And it, I know, right? And if you know how to like nip that into like a... A little spoonful. Let me know because I I don't <laughs> no, know how to put that. Story you can't. You like have to tell the whole thing. Bit. No, it's it you loses. Do, right? Yeah, like, it, you, you lose all of it. If you, that's right. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. 
Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I know that was, um, I, I knew the story, but hearing you actually say it now is like, it's very impactful. Um, so when you launched, cause so the blog, I guess, came first and then the rest of it followed after that. So what was the scariest thing about not going back to a quote unquote J-O-B and then deciding to do the blog and then subsequently your own business? Like what was the scariest thing about starting that whole part? The scariest part was that it was so personal, mm. you know, like it wasn't about like creating a product and trying to launch like, you know, yoga pants or something. Right. It was la- it was launching my journey and praying that it would work for other people. You know, I think that it's not a one size fits all, but there are core parts of it that that do work no matter what your circumstance. Um, and so, you know, for me, it was just that every bit of the professional was personal. Right. Like everything that I'm putting out there professionally is because I've done it personally and seen kind of the light. And um, yeah, I think that's the hardest part because, you know, it's not like people are rejecting your yoga pants. They're rejecting, you know, your your personal journey right and that can be really hard and so you got to put it out there for someone who's like core beliefs are i want everyone to like me Mm. that's hard as hell right and i know that and i know it going into it but it still doesn't make it any easier yeah it's it is personal and like for like my first company the content company there's nothing personal for i wasn't even the, the writer it was my ex so i'm for me it's like I mean, I take it personally if somebody doesn't like something we've created, but this, this, what I'm doing now, she's the owner. I get that because this is raw Kara. This is how I feel about female entrepreneurship. This is how I feel about being a woman in business. This is how I feel about my feminine and masculine energy and trying to send all these women to UPW. Like it, it's, it's personal and it is a lot scarier than when I'm just, you know, selling content and blog writing services like that. So I get that. So, um, I'm, but I'm sure happy you've done it. So good. You know, I'm glad that you yeah, pushed super through happy it. I'm done it. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, like if it doesn't work professionally, at least it works beautifully on a personal level. And you know, like that is, that is winning for me. Like that is, I've, I've done so much healing, but I think that when you embark kind of on that healing journey of awareness and self-discovery, the more you do, the more you realize there is still to be done. Yeah. Like, yep. The deeper you go, the deeper you realize that it is. So that can be really, really hard. And, you know, kind of meeting people at where they are. So, you know, I, I launched the disability icon that was very fitness related and we were doing it virtually. And so these women, we were doing kind of these group calls where they got to connect with each other, but they were across the U.S. and Canada. And they kept telling me, they're like, Sarah, the only thing missing is that I want to give this girl a hug. Like, I want to look into her eyes personally. And so, again, like, it was just out of kind of this natural progression that the first Vertically event took place. So I just got home uh, three, let's see, just finished three weeks ago. It was September 27th through the 30th. And it was in Park City, Utah. Get this. This is the best part on a personal level was that it was the same week of the anniversary of my accident, which was September 22nd. So it was my seventh year anniversary and we hosted it at the resort where I was the spa director. Wow. So I got to go home and it was beautiful to watch again, like things coming full circle. I got to really soak up all my hard work years earlier because it it was neat having these conversations like my conference sales girl who hadn't worked there when I did. So she was newer, but she was saying, I don't know what you did when you were here, Sarah, but she says, as soon as I mention your name, that you're the event I'm helping to facilitate, people are like, give her whatever she wants. <laughs> That's whatever amazing. Sarah wants, Sarah gets. And I was like, wow, like my hard work 
did do something back then. Yep. Like they did notice. And I think that in the moment you don't know if your, you know, your ethics and your integrity is being taken well, but it was really a great dose of just, you know, that's a gift. That's a beautiful, beautiful gift. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. It was a huge gift. So it was pretty cool. And the event itself rocked my world. It was beautiful. I got to bring in things that I've learned at UPW, whether it was things I learned from the stage or just from my own experience. And the biggest one was that when I went to UPW, I didn't go with anyone that I was emotionally felt emotionally responsible for. I went with my business partner as kind of a last minute. I bought two tickets and couldn't find any girlfriends to go with me. My husband couldn't go. No one could go with me. I'm like, you guys, you're insane. How can you miss this? And last minute, I threw it out to my business partner. Um, and I was like, do you want to go? Like, this is kind of random. And he's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So I knew he could hold his own. And that was great because I could kind of let, let Jake go. Like, go do your thing. and I'll right. do my thing. I'll be over here. We didn't even sit by each other most of the time. Like we were in the same vicinity, but we, we really were kind of doing it for ourselves. And because of that, I don't think we get many opportunities like that where we get to go somewhere, totally lose our minds, be so consumed with like rawness and you don't have to feel responsible for another human being. I know, it's Out of 8,000 people, I was responsible for one. Yep. It was so amazing. Yeah, it's that is yeah, for sure. I loved it. Um, so I'm gonna just ask you some of the standard questions. I love just hearing you talk about it, okay, but cool. I definitely want to get some <laughs> some things out. So, um, what's been the greatest lesson so far when you just when it comes to being an entrepreneur now? Like looking back, is there anything that sticks out um, in so far in this journey? I think the element of courage mm. has been. Obviously, you have to have a lot of courage in this. But I think that we hear all the time, like, do what scares you. Do that big thing that scares you. And it's kind of like inching your way up to the high dive. Like, you're going to start by just jumping in off the side of the pool. Then you're going to dive off the side of the pool. Then you're going to go to the low dive. Then, you know, like, it's progression. And I think that, again, I kind of did that on accident but it served me really well that I got to do baby steps. And every time you did something courageous and you landed on your feet and it was, and it felt good. And even though it was scary as hell, you're still standing that you don't have to do the big thing right away. Right. And I think that we don't hear that enough. Like that's almost like a sign of weakness or something like do the big thing that scares you. But maybe do the little thing that scares you and just make sure that you're still on the right track and you still like what you're doing. Um, you know, cause what if you do this big thing that scares you and you hate it, you know, and then you're not going to do it again. So I think courage is, is a, is a process of baby steps and you can yeah. get more and more courageous along the way. And I think just like disregarding that idea of it having to be perfect. I mean, the, the baby steps are going to eventually get you to where you need to go, but even those aren't going to be perfect. And I think that's a huge lesson, you know, with, especially with social media and having this idea that everything's perfect. And, you know, I know we can all take our gorgeous images and all that other stuff, but it's still messy. And even the baby steps oh, can be messy, you know, and like, and that's absolutely. totally, and I hate, I hate the idea of, um, and part of the way that I've, I'm doing this podcast is just brutal honesty from, and if a woman comes, if I talk to her and I don't think she's going to be brutally honest, then she's not coming on the show because that's it. Like, it doesn't matter if you've been in business for two years or 50 years, there's still shit every day that's coming up that we have to deal with. And I, and I said it to my last guest that the whole point is that you don't stay down. Like if you do the little baby step and it fucks up in your face you still get up and you keep going. And that is the difference, I think, yeah. between what makes a person an entrepreneur and who maybe is just dabbling because you're going to get knocked down. Like you had this amazing event. There's probably things about it that you would have, you'll do differently next time. I've same thing. I totally. mean, there's totally things in both my companies where I'm like, yeah, if I had that to do over again, I'm going to change it. And this is how. 
but it's that tenacity to keep going even through to the stuff, to the big stuff you don't want to do, but for sure for the little stuff, because it's still like calling somebody you don't want to call may not seem like a huge deal to me, but it might be a huge deal to you. Right. Like we can't measure your baby steps mm-hmm. and my babies just move like always. in. if you're always in motion, I think that's ultimately um, the lesson is just stay in motion, whatever that looks like for Absolutely. you. Stay in motion. Um, I, I agree. And using those as, as steps, you know, that's the whole idea of living vertically is that each one is going to get you higher and higher towards a goal, you know, and that element of perfection. I mean, I said that word the day of my accident, like life was like, Oh, right. you think this is perfect? Shut up. You know, your ass is going to about to get handed to you. Yep. You have no idea what perfect feels like. And this, this imperfection of not walking, this feels pretty damn perfect, quote unquote. And I'm trying to actually redefine that word because it, it was something that came out of me so much. I tried for perfection. Even if my son does something else, I'm like, Oh, perfect. And I'm trying to like re kind of wire that one because that's a hard one to put out there. Um, And so I have this little mantra that I do all the time that actually helps me for my event. And I kind of have, I put my hands over my head and I have my vision. Okay. Whatever my vision is, whatever my next goal is, and I hold it really tight and I nurture it and, and I kind of breathe into it and feel it and kind of how I want it to go. And then I set it free mm. and I allow the details to come in how they're supposed to. And I think that that allows you to be more comfortable with the imperfection. Right. And so like for the, for the event, so vertically was nine months of hardcore planning. I am, it, it all comes down to me, right? Like it's my name on everything. I got to make sure this thing goes to plan. I did all inclusive, like, so it included their hotel, their food. I mean, everything. This, they had so much swag. It was so much contact, um, speakers, all kinds of stuff. A lot of moving parts. Photographers, we did a whole photo shoot. And there were things that definitely did not go perfectly, but I had to trust that that was the way they were supposed to lie. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. it gave me perspective. It showed me where my struggles are going to be. It showed me what things that went on I can do away with next time or the things that I need to get better on. Like it all served me. Right. Even the stuff that I'm like, Oh, that I didn't like the way that went, but it served me. Yep. And that's the beauty is to see that when, cause you know, Tony always says life is happening for you and not to you and catching those moments when it's, when you're looking at it going, okay, well, how is this serving me now? And if it's not serving you, make an adjustment. Um, so yeah, Absolutely, I totally get that. Yeah. So what does feminine and masculine energy mean to you? I mean, as, as women in business, and I, this, is, this is how this whole thing began. Um, some of us, myself included, mostly, that's how, mm-hmm. how we came to it was, I was too far in my masculine and it was starting to be uncomfortable. And like, we do have to be, you know, in our masculine in terms of being more, um, you know, not aggressive, but assertive and, and taking risks and doing all the hunter type things that we do in business. But I was just living way too far into it. And I just started to feel like shit. I wasn't being the kind of mom I wanted to be. I, you know, I'm, starting to look at dating. Dating was not, you know, what men don't want other men when they're looking for women. And so I started to just recognize that I needed to get more into my core as a woman, as in my feminine energy and be more empathetic and vulnerable and intuitive and all those things that that we talk about. But what, what does that look like for you? It's uncomfortable. (laughs) I don't even know how to put it. I, I agree with everything you said. It's really tough. And, you know, for me, I, I really realized how much I was living in kind of this meek feminine state of like, you know, just letting things be taken care of for me or um, being in a place of need, things like that. And so kind of stepping out and being into the masculine energy, it, it felt really liberating for mm-hmm. me because I had been so far the other way for a long time. 
And there was something in me that was really like, I was really drawn to it. And I felt a little bit more like myself, I guess, because I was starting to find a balance though too. Right. Where, you know, I still do like a lot of really feminine photo shoots and that's where I really bring that out. And, um, you know, but then like I go to the gym and I'm, you know, working with weights and things like that, but it can even feel a little bit masculine at times. And so for me, it was really trying to find a balance and, I had been, the biggest thing I learned at UPW is that I had been playing small in order to keep people around me feeling comfortable, to like me. You know, if you speak up, then you're not going to be liked, things like that. So for me to actually speak up and be assertive and, and stand up for what I wanted and, and go after it and chase it, um, that was something that I was really lacking. And I was, I think I was living so far in the feminine. And so, for me, I got to replace that idea of to play small. And now I've replaced that with my light is needed. And mm. my light is not going to be seen unless I step up and be assertive. So that's, yep, that's I think totally for me, true. it was, yeah, kind of finding that balance. Um, but, you know, I think that we talk a lot of that, about that with females. And I read a really great article the other day basically about how all this pressure is put on women to like step up and be assertive and, you know, reach out and, you know, grab what, what's rightfully yours. And it's like, when are we going to start putting some pressure on the men to really like find their feminine energy right. and soften up a little bit yep. and listen to us when we, you know, to others and to themselves, even uh, when they have emotional needs and, um, you know, I think that so much pressure gets put on women. And I think that a lot of the times we just make it look really, really easy. And so, yeah, of course, more and more pressure is going to be put on us. But that article just hit me and I kind of can't get it out of my head. I'll have to find it and send it to you. But it was kind of more of like enough, you know, leaning in that when are the guys going to start leaning out kind of, kind of idea. Right. And, uh, but, you know, I just, I think that it's, so much about finding balance and holding people accountable in different ways, I think you know, men and women. It's, it's such a confusing time though, too, for everybody because feminism has really swung and it's, I, I don't even know if I like the definition of it still confuses me, but I think as women, because we've, we're having our voice and we want to talk and blah, blah, blah. It's, we've kind of pushed the guys out of the room to the point where they're like, well, what, what do you actually need now, ladies? Because we don't fucking know. Absolutely. Right? Like some men want to show up for us and we're like, I got this, you fucker. I don't need your help. But then we're like, but wait, actually, I, I kind of do need your help. Like there's a lot of confusion amongst us, the whole group. Like nobody knows, you know, it's not like in grade six where the boys were on one side and the girls were on the other. It's like, it's a, it's a total gong show, you know? And I think, so I applaud men for trying. Some of them are trying really hard to get in their feminine, but then you've yes. got a masculine woman coming in going, why are you acting like such a wimp? And he's like, but yo, I just, right. <laughs> I just read an article that you girls wanted us to be more feminine energy. So I'm confused now. And that's it. Like mm. naturally uh. men are more in their masculine and naturally we're more in our feminine. We can switch the hat much easier than the guys can. Like that's for sure. Cause I can go to a meeting and yeah. then I can get in the car with my kid and I can just, if I consciously turn my, my direction inward, then I'm more in my feminine. Men don't have that as easily as we do. So they, they're really like, they're confused right now. And so I think it's important. I think it's just important that everybody talks about it in non-bullshit terms and just say, listen, I get it. Women can be, we can be really aggressive. So I understand why you're confused by my behavior, but I'm, if I'm being honest, I really do need you. And these are the ways I need you. But until we start talking, like you and I are talking openly, honestly about what these energies really mean, then the, the charade will just carry on, but it's uncomfortable. Like it's uncomfortable for an alpha woman to go home to her beta man and then him expect her to do everything just because she can, she doesn't want to, she needs a break too. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's a bit of a mess. It's so true. It's 
so well put, Kara. So well put. I I agree. I think the conversations just they need to be had, and people, mm-hmm. you know, I think that we shy away from things so much, and just yeah, yeah. It's a funny time right now. Agreed. So, what do you think about personal development, um, and why? And you know, not just about Tony. I know we love Tony, but there's a million other teachers um, that. I've learned from, I'm sure you've learned from them, but in general, what do you think about personal development um, as a whole? I think that it should be taught from like grade one up. Like if we, if we started earlier, I think is, is kind of the biggest problem is that, you know, we almost see personal development because we've got a problem to fix, but I think it's more about just, realizing that there's always room to be better and dive deeper and get to know yourself more and, you know, define what, what you really want life to look like and what your part is and taking responsibility. I think personal development is so crucial in every single person's life. And that, you know, the way that you go about it, that's super personal, right? Like, you know, take kind of, you know, really what works for you. I absolutely love Brene Brown. I love um, Mel Robbins. I love, obviously, Tony Robbins. Um, and I, I also love, uh, um, oh my gosh, her name just, uh, Universe Has Your Back book. Um, her name just escaped me. Oh my I goodness. I don't know. Um, I know the book. It'll, I don't it'll know come the author. Um, and so... Yeah, I think that it's, you know, it's kind of taking a collection of of things that, that resonate with you. And then I think, again, like I said at the beginning, like the more you learn about yourself, the deeper you realize that the dive can go. Um, Gabrielle Bernstein. And I think that regardless. Thank you. There she is. <laughs> Gabrielle Bernstein. There you go. Oh, my gosh. I was going to kill me. <laughs> um, but I think that the. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. The the deeper that you can go. So, um, and, and I think regardless what stage people are at in life, I think a therapist and a life coach are super crucial. Yeah. I think understanding where you've been, where you come from, dissecting really kind of this core elements and diving through the traumas, um, you know, and trauma comes with a big T or a little T, like there's all levels of traumas, um, that, you know, diving into those and, and, my fav- one of my favorite things that Tony talks about is blaming eloquently. Yes. Like if you're going to blame someone for the shit, you're going to, you better blame them for what it drove you to do. Yep. And you know, that's, that's a whole other story. Like with my, my father. And I firmly believe that, you know, had he been the dad that I really wanted him to be, I wouldn't be here. Um, you know, that's really what taught me resilience was having my heart broken by my father time and time and time and time again. And realizing that I'm still worthy time and time and time again. So, and then having a life coach to help you figure out where you want to go. And, you know, I think that, you know, if, if I got one message across, it's that we are all packaged for something, Mm -hmm. our background, our, our personality traits, our interests, what we look like, where we live, everything has been perfectly packaged if that's one thing that can be perfect in our life it's that it's that it is perfectly packaged for us and our mission in life and it's our whole job to discover what that is and the only way we're going to do that is through personal development and it never stops to like I know a lot of people will say to me oh my god are you you're going to your you're going to another event you're going to another blah 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 you're doing this <laughs> reading that like and it that's it there's no end because there's always some blind spot you didn't know was there. And coaching, same thing. Like my coach is incredible. She's coaching two of my older daughters now. She's stellar at finding my blind spots. And she had me coach myself in two ses- two sessions ago. We were talking about um, just my anxiety mm. about being called out in a room to answer questions like back in school. And I said, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm always nervous when I'm at at UPW and if Tony's walking around me, he's going to call me out and I'm like shitting my pants and I'm just freaking out. And (laughs) she made me coach her as if I was Tony and she was me. And I'm like, 
This makes me so uncomfortable. And I, I had trouble and she, she would, I'd say Mariola, which she's my coach and I I can't do. And she'd go, I'm not Mariola. I'm Kara. And I was like, fuck, like she would not let me go. And I did it. And I broke through what, what it ended up being, but that's it. It's never like in a million years, I would have been like, that's not an issue. Oh, apparently it is. And it's not until you carry on through it. And, you know, a lot of people look at personal development and going to these events and reading these books as a thing you do and then you're better. But it's like the gym. You don't go to the gym once, like Tony says, you don't go to the gym once and come out of there fully fit. It's an ongoing process. And there's a lot of merit to taking breaks too, to implement the shit that we're learning for sure. But it's still, you know, it's always, it's always in process. It's never just done. And then that you're perfect and you're floating around like nothing bothers you. But I think that's part of the beauty of it too, is that there's always some little nugget to discover that will take your happiness from like a 9.2 to a 9.3. And how beautiful is that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's always, there's always more and on to the be way happy there, about. Knowing that you might go down to like a 0.1, right. you know, like you may really dip in the process totally. too, and that's okay. Yep. And that's, yeah, I think that's where we find there's lessons in there. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, when you're uncomfortable, yes. that's yes, where yes. it happens. It's so true. So last quote, well, mm-hmm. I, there's a question about, do you ever, do you feel like you ever have to choose between Charlie and running your company and being, you know, being a mom, is that really, you know, do you have to, is there a choice there? Do you, do you feel like you have it kind of figured out where it's balanced or do you still yeah yeah here's what charlie has taught me and i i love observing charlie because no matter so whatever charlie is doing if he is irritable if he and this is you know he said he slept you know the normal issues you know he's hungry whatever But if he is irritable, if he is joyful, those are always a direct reflection of me. Mm. And I found that as soon as I started putting myself first, Charlie got more joyful. Yep. As soon as I filled up my cup first, meaning I had my gym time, meaning that I got to work business wise, meaning that I, my journal was full meaning that I got to meditate, meaning that I got to do things that filled up my own cup. And then I went to tend to Charlie, that Charlie was more joyful. He was more content. He was calmer. He was more playful. He was more creative. And then when I'm full, I have so much more patience and energy to fill up his cup. And it doesn't even matter what we're doing as long as we're playing something together. I mean, yesterday we made a magic carpet out of a blanket and we went on a magic carpet ride around the house and it was just, it was the most joyful time ever. And he was laughing his head off and Charlie is such a mirror and our children are mirrors. We took a family trip to Disneyland and I loved watching all the families. Because if the kids were like irritable and just like super whiny, you look at the parents and the parents were just right. as whiny. Yep. Whereas like me and Charlie are like two kids in a candy store. Like we both have our ears on. We're having so much fun. Like we have the time of our lives. And I, I love it. I love that we can actually use our kids as a mirror. Um, and I think that we really should. I think we should look at our kids a little bit more because they don't know how to respond. They are looking to us for the clues like, oh, right now I'm supposed to be irritable. I don't know why, but mom is. That so means it must I'm be what to I, be as right. well. That, um, I just want you to know, say so, that's huge that you're able to identify that and take responsibility for it because most parents are like, what the hell is the matter with my kid and blah, blah, blah. And I'm always like, mm-hmm. it's a mirror. Whatever's going on, you need to ask yourself how you're showing up they're a reflection it's and it's like complaining right whatever we're complaining about is something we're not happy about within ourselves but so many people still want to blame something else outside of the mind and the you know whatever we are and um it's dangerous because then that gives control to the outside but you're it's it's true like people say oh i i feel i'm i feel guilty i work too much and i'm i always like so i've got the four kids they're the three of them are adults and then amelia who's 10 And I bring her into my business world when it's appropriate. And this kid, I was just telling the story to another um, guest, but 
Amelia just started a business at her school and she goes around mm. like she's the boss and she's donating money to go plant trees. And now the principal wants to help her. Like I, I did that and I'm totally okay with that. Like I could have not worked That's my amazing. ass off all the time, but I did. And now this kid, she goes, and it was so cute. She said to me, you know what? I must have really listened to you and dad as entrepreneurs. Hey mom. And I was like, Oh, kid, you are a boss. Like, my heart was so happy because you do, you have moments when you're like, ugh, am I neglecting or am I, am I, am I, and I travel a lot for the content company and whatever. And, but no, I feel like those are those reflections. So we have to take the good reflections and the bad too, right? But the good ones, I'm like, wow. Yes. And I feel peace about it now. I, if I had any doubt, I'm like, I'm, I'm good and my kids are good. And my older kids are both entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. The middle one's trying to figure herself out. But like, yeah, it, you're, it's 100% a reflection of what we're putting out there. So, uh, yeah, cool. Totally is. Yeah. And I think a lot of, you know, there's so much guilt around that. Mm. I mean, just I just want to echo that a little bit more because I feel like in getting through to the women, especially the women entrepreneurs, is so important that I under, the guilt is so understandable. I get it. But you are not doing your kids any service by putting yourself last and, 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 you know, putting, I understand the philosophy of putting them first, but they're not going to get as good of a parent. If you do that, like you're, you're putting them first by putting yourself first, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I get the guilt and we, as women, we just, we think that we want to put everybody else first. And I understand that, but, through everything I've learned, it is so important um, that, you know, Charlie gets to, and he filled his cup up too with, you know, going to preschool and under, and seeing his friends. And even while we were on vacation for the retreat, he came with me and, he, you know, he was my little sidekick for the week. And, um, you know, he, he was missing his friends though at school too. So it, they, they are just fine. They yeah. are totally fine you know, with their friends. They, they need that. They need that social interaction. I think that, you know, it does do them a disservice by not getting out there with the kids early enough and that kind of thing, too. There's so much social anxiety now. And and I think that we do too much protecting of them um, instead of, you know, setting them free and And not letting them them lose when they fall. They have to lose. They have to lose. And they have to lose. It's like this epidemic of, you know, giving 10th place ribbons and shit. Like I have no stomach for it. My kids are old. I was a young mom. I was 20 when I had Sydney and she'll be 23 next month or in December. But like, I'm in a different position now than I was when Sydney and I, when I had her, I was like, I had, I was living in housing. I was a single mother. She was on her crib mattress because she was like just teeny. She could sleep on it as a toddler. I had my head on the mattress and my body on the floor just so she could have the bed. She had it. She had wow. a very humble beginning. Anything we got was from the secondhand store, like on and on. And now fast forward, th- that's not my life anymore. And so Amelia, who's 10, she can have more things, but I make her like, she'll ask me for toys or silly things. And I'm like, no, she goes, is it because we can't afford it? And I said, nope. She's like, well, I'm like, if you want it, figure out a way to get it. And she's like, okay. Yeah. And she's, it, but you have to let them fail. You have to, because I say it constantly, like the world's going to teach them the hard way or you can help prepare them for what the world, the world is really like. And you and I both know if we don't, if you didn't execute on your event and I don't execute on my content writing company or whatever, clients are going to tell us to piss off and that'll be it. Like there are no second chances mm-hmm. often in business. Or if you go into your boss and you don't deliver what... So I think it's really important to not feel guilty for letting our kids fail and feel it and then figure out how to come out of it. Because that those are the lessons I think that are are really being missed right now because we want to protect, or some parents want to protect their kids from everything. And that's a slippery slope, but um, I digress. Yeah. yeah. No, I... right on there. Um, So last question is, how do you get into your feminine energy? I mean, I know you're, you're very, you're probably the opposite of most of my guests where they're more in their masculine and need to turn on the feminine. You're already very feminine, but if you find yourself being too in your, or maybe, maybe how do you get into your masculine? If you need to get into that side of things, 
you have like, I know, you know, we learned a lot of um, like power moves and incantations and stuff at UPW, but is there anything that you do, you know, if you're about to have a hard meeting or a call that you're like, okay, I need to get myself into this zone. Do you have any tricks on how you do that? Do you know what I use a lot? And again, it was so by accident and it served me so much is vertical blonde is my alter ego. Mm. Like when Sarah can't do it, when Sarah is scared shitless, vertical blonde takes over and is like, no, we got this. That's wicked. We are going for it. And I feel like vertical blonde is very masculine. I feel like vertical blonde is extremely like, she's just really assertive. Right. And, you know, it's funny because we did that at UPW, like we had to rename ourselves. I was like, I already know who I am. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, I totally did that on accident. So I, you know, at my retreat, I had all the girls talk. I have them come up with their alter ego as well. And it serves me so well. I actually read a great article about Lady Gaga and she does the same thing. But Lady Gaga is is a totally different person than she is. And so. um that's for me and it's worked really really well and I didn't realize what I was doing until it was kind of like it was it was really kind of named there at UPW so I I was like oh that's that's why it's serving me so well um so I think that if those kind of tricks are really really easy um and then I think for the feminine energy is just you know again that kind of like having that vision and then letting it go Mm. is just kind of embracing in that element of surrender that feels very calm. That feels very feminine to me. Um, you know, that, that I feel like has a richness to it. So, um, those are the two things that work for me. I I do feel like I, I have an assertiveness that I need to find, um, and that is coming out more and more. So I feel like I'm trying to find that masculine, um, and getting in the gym really, really helps me. Um, I feel so strong, you know, and, and to have something that I've worked really, really hard for, you know, to, to be healthy and to, you know, embrace that through nutrition and embrace that through time at the gym and through, you know, choosing different activities over the other, that's really important. And it has given me so much strength and kind of assertiveness, you know, kind of grit. So that, that's what's worked for me. Amazing. Well, that's it, my dear. Thank you so much. Yeah. I know it's like the time. What time is it there right now? I don't want it to end. <laughs> um, it's 11 o'clock on the dot. Oh, boy. It's 11 a.m. Well, next time yeah. I'll come to you and I'll bring some equipment and we, we'll do this in Hawaii because uh, it's getting cold be here amazing. and it sucks. Just so you know. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't miss that whatsoever. <laughs> no, you it's know, it's funny because I've, I've had people say like, Oh, don't you want to be closer to like opportunity on the mainland, you know, maybe like California or something. I'm like, no, do you know where I live? Yeah. Are you kidding me? You're crazy. I feel like I am, I am living the dream and it feels absolutely incredible. And the way of life here is very different. It is so much more relaxed. Like so many people just drive beater cars and it's all They're about so the lifestyle and it's, yeah, it's super chill. And I go back to the mainland and there's like an, there's a stress factor there that mm-hmm. I don't really prefer anymore. No. So, um, yeah, I, I am really loving my life here. That's amazing. Well, I'm so happy that you came on the show. Um, hopefully, are you going to any events anytime soon? Like any Tony events? I'm planning on date with destiny in December. Ooh, I'm super stoked about that. Nice. Um, are you going to be at date with destiny? I'm planning it as well. Um, I'm okay, afraid cool. of it. So that's why I know it's time. Um, ah, yeah. resistance. Yep. Um, mm. But yeah, for, for now, well, I'm going to UPW in a couple of weeks, like I said, and then I'm, and then yeah, date with destiny. And I'm, my goal is to join the platinum partners by January, February. Um, and, or as, as long as things are moving along, cause I, it's basically like you're taking a year off from your business to go and be with the plats. Yeah. Right. So um, well, and I, you know, I said that to one of the plots. I was like, do you even work? And he's like, do you know how many clients I have picked up along the way because of it? Yeah, so I've you heard never that know. Too. Like it's maybe not necessarily taking that off. Um, and I did get some insight too. I don't know if this is to be shared or not, but 
that the relationship one is only every other year. And so it might be a good idea to wait another year. I don't know. Yeah. And it it might land up like that. And I mean, I'm seeing, I'll send you a, I'll text you a picture of one of the things I saw that one of the plots posted yesterday. And I can't, I'm not even going to say what it is, but it's hilarious. I was like, Oh, it's okay. Oh, that's awesome. Giddy up. I can't wait. Yeah, it's a good one. But I cannot wait. Anyway, all right. Well, it was awesome talking cool. to you. Um, we'll talk soon and take it easy. Enjoy your beautiful weather while we freeze. Thank you so much. You're thank welcome. you, thank you, thank you. This was such a dream. I just I adore you. And thank ever you. since that woman came up to me at UPW, I was like, Oh, this is my girl. Aww. So thank you for what you're doing. It's really special to to give female entrepreneur is such a great voice thank thank you you. cool all right i will talk to you later bye all right aloha